The New Orleans Saints reportedly checking in on big names at wide receiver and at quarterback. We'll talk about who those names are and what it means for the Saints moving forward. And then, of course, it's Analytics Tuesday, so we're going to break down the New Orleans Saints win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the numbers. We got all that and a little bit of land yap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available for you on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. As you can tell, not everything's completely back to normal yet, but we're getting there. But I appreciate you coming through for another episode of Locked On Saints. Going to work our way back to five today, so I'll get this one out tonight on Tuesday night. We'll have another one for you Wednesday morning as we break down the tape. But today's going to be a focus on the film. But before we get to that, we had the trade deadline today on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday at 4 p.m. New York time. Trade deadline has officially come and gone the New Orleans Saints not getting any moves done for the actual deadline itself. Remember, they did make a move for uh, uh, Mark Ingram early on in the year. So, you know, they've made some moves and things like that, but just not at the deadline. So, you know, the NFL trade deadline continues to be uneventful, as it always has been. But when it comes down to it, the New Orleans Saints weren't without some, let's say, action. Well, according to several reports, the New Orleans Saints have been connected to a couple of teams for some high-profile players. We know one of the big wish list items for the team was wide receiver, and so that's where we'll start. According to Kimberly Martin of ESPN, you've seen her on First Take, as well as seen her written stuff over at ESPN.com as well. She mentioned today that she was told that the New Orleans Saints had been in discussion with the Cleveland Browns to see if it would be possible to uh, facilitate a trade for Odell Beckham Jr., but they weren't able to get it done because of, quote, how much OBJ is owed the rest of the year. And also, there's still some optimism that in the Browns building that Odell Beckham Jr. will be a big part of their second half of the year run. But the New Orleans Saints tend to be tied to these big name receivers at the deadline, but never really able to get a deal done because the asking price is too much. And we knew that Odell Beckham Jr. I've had a lot of folks ask about him here on the show. Odell Beckham Jr. is owed a ton of money for the rest of this season. He's got a lot of money for the next. It's 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 a big time hassle to try to figure out for the New Orleans Saints. And so it would have been really challenging for them to figure out the costs and everything. Cleveland would have had to pick up some of the bill. Reportedly, in some reports that you can find out there are saying that Cleveland wasn't interested in doing that. And so at that point, yeah, it's just a little bit tough for the New Orleans Saints to try to find a way to get Odo Beckham Jr. to New Orleans, get under the cap, all of that. But that wasn't the only big high-profile player that the Saints had uh, checked in on, reportedly, according to uh, Jordan Schultz, the New Orleans Saints also were one of the several teams to check in with the Seattle Seahawks about potential about the potential of shaking Russell Wilson, the star quarterback, eight-time Pro Bowler in Seattle, loose. Now, this is one that we should continue to talk about here for a moment because this might not just be about Jameis Winston's injury. The New Orleans Saints could be interested in a guy like Russell Wilson come the offseason when it feels more likely that Russell Wilson will get moved. And if that's the case, there's a good relationship there between GM Mickey Loomis and GM John Snyder over in Seattle. This is something and a storyline to watch. Is it guaranteed that 
Russell Wilson is going to be a New Orleans Saint by next season. No, the New Orleans Saints could very easily check in on Jameis Winston, see if Jameis Winston is healthy and make a decision there, make a decision based upon what happens for the rest of the season, which could mean drafting a quarterback as well. There's a lot of realities between now and then, but this is definitely a storyline to watch to see if it develops going into the offseason. I would almost say the same thing about Earl Beckham Jr. as well, if there was some way to figure out the financials after this season is over and wants to get into the new league year and trades can start happening again. But the New Orleans Saints doing their due diligence. These were a couple of the players that made sense for the Saints to check in on, but did not make sense for them to pull the trigger on. We've seen this before with Emmanuel Sanders. We've seen it with AJ Green. We've seen it with other wide receivers as well. The New Orleans Saints doing their best, doing their due diligence to figure out if there would be something that they could work out, but ultimately nothing getting done. So that means that the New Orleans Saints are going to be relying on the return of Michael Thomas to help to improve some of the offensive efficiency for the New Orleans Saints. We're going to talk a little bit more about offensive efficiency here in just a moment. How well did the New Orleans Saints perform in week eight with a backup quarterback? Well, impressively well. We'll talk about that and much more as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. And as always, I want to remind you about our good friends over at GetUpside.com. GetUpside, the fantastic app that's available to you. You can download it for free in the App Store or in Google Play, whichever it is that you use. And let me tell you how to use this app. Basically, you're able to get 25 cents per gallon off every time that you fill up your car with gas. Every time you fill up your tank, 25 cents per gallon right back at you by using the GetUpside app. That's it. All you got to do is download it, go to the participating gas stations, and then bam, you're getting 25 cents back per gallon. I've got some folks that are getting $200, $300 back per month by using this because they drive so much and we're all driving a lot more right now. And speaking of that, let me help you out a little bit more. When you download the app for the first time, use the promo code touchdown so you can get a 25 cent bonus on top of the initial 25 cents so that for your very first fill up, you're going to get 50 cents back per gallon on that first fill up. This is a really awesome opportunity. And the best part of it is that you can get it deposited directly to your bank account. You can get it to your PayPal. You can get it in an Amazon gift card or some other brands. I got it as an Amazon gift card for my first month. It's really, really dope. So go and check it out. 25 cents back per gallon simply by using the GetUpside app, which you can get for free wherever you get your apps. Right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day. Very, very, very much appreciate all of you for all your support here over the past couple of days as I continue to get right here. But we're here with you, Locked On Saints, every Monday through Friday. Appreciate you very much for hanging out with us and being here for another one. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints on offense. You know, Tuesdays, analytic Tuesdays, we break down the analytics, some of our favorite ones EPA, taking a look at efficiency, DVOA, taking a look at efficiency as well as some raw numbers that are just really interesting as well. I want to start off over on the offensive side when it comes to this one. Uh, despite being down to Trevor Simeon, who, remember, in a lot of different ways is technically the Saints' third-string quarterback because Jameis Winston is your starter. If Jameis Winston went out in-game, he would be replaced by Trevor Simeon, even if Taysom Hill was healthy. But with Taysom Hill also being out, you kind of look at Trevor Simeon as to third string quarterback in this situation. Despite that, though, when it comes to this week, the New Orleans Saints were top 10 in both dropback efficiency or efficiency in the passing game, as well as EPA per play. So overall efficiency on the offensive side, they were number seven in dropback efficiency, 
excuse me, number eight in dropback efficiency, number seven in total EPA per play. That is fantastic for a team that had to move down to its third string quarterback. And it was kind of like what we mentioned yesterday or earlier today, rather, that the New Orleans Saints didn't, Sean Payton didn't stop throwing the ball when Jameis Winston was out. He didn't. Almost almost to a point where it caused them some trouble, right? That sort of, that goal line possession down there or that red zone possession down there where they threw the ball twice and threw two incomplete passes. That was almost their detriment, but they did not take their foot off the gas. They did not stop throwing the ball. You saw them come back out of the second half, first play immediately, 38-yard pass down the field to Kevin White. Sean Payton doesn't care who's on the field. He just wants to know that his offense can be run. He doesn't care if it's Trevor Simeon. He doesn't care if it's Kevin White. He doesn't care that neither of them have done anything in three years. He does not care. That was Kevin White's first catch in three years. That was you know Trevor Simeon's first time out there throwing passes since 2019. Sean Payton couldn't care less. He believes in his system. He trusts his players. That might be one of the reasons why you don't see them as active in this trade deadline, which really there's no team that's very active at the trade deadline. Anyway, uh, let's take a look at another one here. I want to talk about uh, it was good timing for the New Orleans Saints uh, in terms of being up there in terms of drop back efficiency and passing efficiency. Because in the run game, their run success rate was very low. 24th in the NFL this week, only a 30.8% success rate on the ground. Now, they were going up against one of the best um, run defenses in in the NFL. They still averaged over four and a half yards per carry while they were out there. Alvin Kamara averaged 5.7 yards per carry between uh, Cesar Ruiz and Eric McCoy. That's right up the gut of the strength of that run defense. Didn't matter. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, though, just didn't find a lot of success consistently, but they still ran the ball 35 plus times in this one compared to only 14 times by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it gives you the opportunity there to where you could even say, hey, it's not successful every single play. And, you know, there are a couple of plays here and there where you're getting two, two and a half yards per carry. But you know what? You'll take it because it's allowing you to dominate the clock and it's allowing you to put together those drives that we talked about the the double digit play drives that chewed four or five minutes off the clock at a time. Uh, I want to look at only eight pressures given up though by the New Orleans Saints offensive line. New Orleans offensive line performed extremely well. Toronto Armstead struggled a little bit over on the edge, gave up four pressures on his own. Cesar Ruiz gave up two. James Hurst gave up one. Calvin Throckmorton gave up one. An interesting little switch before the game started. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton, who immediately took the place of Andrus Pete last week at left guard when he was injured, ended up assuming the sixth offensive lineman role. They went with the proven veteran in James Hurst at left guard. I think that was a good decision uh, by them. And actually, no offensive lineman was credited with a sack. In fact, the, the sack was actually credited against Trevor Simeon for holding on to the ball too long, which, hey, you'll take those growing pains. You'll take those growing pains in exchange for a win for a guy that hasn't throwing a football in an NFL game since 2019. You'll take that. Against pressure, this was really interesting. Uh, Jameis Winston faced pressure in the few snaps that he was out on the field 64.3% of the time. So he was majority under pressure. That makes sense. You're going up against a Todd Bowles defense. They love to pressure. But things changed when Trevor Simeon became the quarterback because he was blitzed only 45.2% of the time. So they didn't blitz as much against Trevor Simeon as they did against Jameis Winston. And the majority of that comes in the meet in the middle, right? They didn't blitz Trevor Simeon a ton in the second and third quarters. They started to blitz him late. 
but it just kind of didn't matter at that point. But it was really interesting to see that they were really focused on putting pressure on Jameis Winston, even though Jameis Winston had a 75 completion, 75% completion percentage, 56 yards and a touchdown when blitzed. Meanwhile, Trevor Simeon completed only 38.5% of his passes when blitzed, but still put up 70 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, Todd Bowles, bring you blitz all you want. Apparently it doesn't matter. Uh, Tom Brady, though, in terms of his plays under or attempts under pressure, he was under pressure for only seven snaps in this game, four attempts, zero completions, 0.0 passer rating. So it was effective when it was there. In terms of DVOA or another metric of gauging uh, efficiency for a team, the New Orleans Saints number seven uh, total, number 20 when it comes to offense, number three when it comes to defense. So that defensive stock really, really raising it up. I believe there were 11th in special teams as well. In terms of DVOA, the Saints right now have the 12th, have had the 12th hardest schedule so far in terms of the most efficient teams, but, or most successful teams on a per play basis, but have only the 25th hardest the rest of the way in terms of the schedules. Definitely something to keep an eye out on there. Now they do face some tough teams. They've got the Cowboys, they've got the Buffalo Bills, they have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again. They have challenging teams ahead, but something to really keep an eye out on there. All right, so next we're going to look over on the defensive side, take a look at some defensive efficiency metrics, as well as some individual standouts over on the defensive side as well, just like we covered our standouts over on the offensive side. So we have that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. And we know the New Orleans Saints are destined for some kind of greatness eventually, whether it be this year or another year, we'll find out. But what are you destined for? That's why you got to go and check out beachbound.com vacations because you need to know what are you bound for? You're bound for adventure, you're bound for passion, for discovery, for togetherness, rejuvenation, immersion. Megan and I, we use beachbound vacations for our first honeymoon. We had a, a quick one right after the wedding, and then we'll have a, a larger one later on next year. But it was great. They ended up setting us up at a beach resort, which she absolutely loved. I'm not really a beach person, but I am now a beach person. After that experience, we were able to get massages, go hit up the spa, all this other stuff. And they were able to get, you know, me and my coffee, had coffee out on the beach, all this other stuff. My dog loved it. It was fantastic. So look, I was happy as can be with my little taco flight and all the good company that we had and as well as, you know, some football on the TV. So if you want to go and check it out, you can go and check them out at beachbound.com. You can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what it is that you're looking for. So what are you bound for? Go and find out by visiting beachbound.com today. Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with our defensive efficiency metrics here. It is Analytics Tuesday and we had a Victory Tuesday. We're adding an Analytics Tuesday today and then we'll get the Film Watch Wednesday tomorrow. Welcome our friends from WWL later on in the week. So lots of good stuff coming up for you as we continue to break this down and the future of the New Orleans Saints post Jameis Winston. Now that Jameis Winston is out for the season with an ACL injury as well as damage to his MCL. Will it be Trevor Simeon this week? Will it be Taysom Hill? We'll see. Kind of all depends on how quickly Taysom can uh, finish up his recovery from that brutal hit that he took against the Washington football team that put him in concussion protocol. But I digress. Let's talk a little bit about defensive efficiency metrics. So according to NFL's next-gen stats, uh, the New Orleans Saints did not double-team Mike Evans a single time. 0.0%. Same thing for Tyler Johnson. Remember the the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were without Antonio Brown, so he didn't see the field. But they did double team 
Chris Godwin a little bit, 8.8% of the time. So what this tells me is that the New Orleans Saints were very confident in their defense, very confident in their defensive backs. And understandably so, Marshall Lattimore has been playing lights out so far this season. He did allow a 41-yard touchdown against Mike Evans, which Mike Evans simply won that route. But before that, Mike Evans had one catch for three yards. And then after that, Mike Evans had no catches for no yards. Even in a situation where Tampa had the ball in their hands and they were able to try to march down the field just to get a field goal. It's all that they needed. The Saints were just up two points, 27-29. They go to Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin gets intercepted and taken back to the house by P.J. Williams. So even in the biggest moments, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers still do not utilize Mike Evans or Mike Evans is still struggling to be utilized in those moments. I will let the Tampa Bay podcasts figure that out. If you want to hear more about that, you can go and check out Locked on Bucks, David Harrison, James Yarko. Let them talk about it. What we'll talk about, though, is how fantastic both Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan were in this one. Cam Jordan, of course, forced the first turnover of this game with the sack fumble against Tom Brady. Just a quick side note, before the season began during training camp or mini camps, excuse me, I talked to Cam Jordan during media availability, and I talked to him about his work with Crescent City Corps, some incredible stuff that he's been doing, and he always talks about getting better, getting better, getting better. Well, after we talked a little bit about that, he had mentioned about you know wanting to get better, and then he was asked about how is it that the New Orleans Saints defense can get better based upon what they did last year. One of the things that he said was forcing fumbles when getting to the quarterback. There he was forcing a fumble when he got to the quarterback. So, so far, so good there, and obviously you want to see that continue. Um, Marcus Davenport had three pressures. Cam Jordan had three pressures. The, to- the defense in total had 11 total pressures that included guys like Shai Tuttle, um, Mal- not Malcolm Roach, excuse me, uh, David Onyemata, who made his return in this game, who actually was a disruption very early in the game. Uh, he ended up having one. A lot of other players had a single uh, pressure there, but you got three each, six total for Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan. Love seeing that tandem come up. Hopefully, Peyton Turner finds his way back soon so he can be disruptive in that group as well. Let's talk a little bit about the cornerbacks opposite Marshawn Lattimore. Paul Sinadibo continues to get more snaps than Bradley Roby, but the gap is narrowing a little bit. 33 snaps for Paul Sinadibo, 28 for Bradley Roby. And this was great because what we saw a little bit was Bradley Roby get matched up on uh, Chris Godwin when Cesar Gardner-Johnson was kind of struggling in coverage there. Bradley Roby can play outside and inside, so it was a nice and easy adjustment for him to be able to make. However, he still got most of his targets, Chris Godwin did, in coverage or when C.J. Gardner-Johnson was in coverage with him. Seven targets against C.J. Gardner-Johnson, two against Demario Davis, one against Bradley Roby, and one against Paulson Adebo, which actually ended up being an interception, but it was the interception against that, that it was the earlier interception that C.J. Gardner-Johnson got later on in the game. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was in coverage against Chris Godwin out of the slot when P.J. Williams got the game winning or the game sealing. Uh, interception and pick six. C.J. Garner-Johnson in total gave up 106 receiving yards to Chris Godwin and stuck in it and made plays throughout the entire day. So again, short memory for these Saints defensive backs and you love to see it. Bradley Roby was targeted five times, allowed five catches for 64 yards, including 28 after the catch. Uh, and then he also had uh, four receivers that he covered that were targeted uh, same amount of receivers covered for Paulson Adebo. He was targeted against four different receivers, four targets, only two catches allowed, 19 yards, five yards after catch. So Paulson Adebo comes out on top again between the battle between uh, Paulson Adebo and uh, Bradley Roby. They covered many of the same players. The, the biggest difference is that both of them covered a running back. One of them covered Ronald Jones. 
Uh, Paul Sanadibo covered Leonard Fournette on one of his. Uh, PJ Williams, in addition to the pick six, played 16 coverage snaps. That's it. That's all I got for you. PJ Williams. <laughs> PJ Williams really showed up, played some snaps every now and then, played about you know a couple of them in the box, played a few of them out uh, at safety, spent most of his time at free safety as well. And, you know, didn't really do a ton throughout the game. He was just kind of there. And then all of a sudden gets the pick six that seals the game. So you got to love that. Uh, A couple of other players that stood out here. One more on the defensive side. Malcolm Jenkins had three tackles, two defensive stops, allowed two catches on three targets for only 11 yards. Also totaled up two pass breakups, which means that one of the pass breakups he had, he wasn't even targeted and he was just able to make the play. Only a 72.9 passer rating when targeted. And then the last player that I want to shout out. Brian Johnson. I talked last week about Brian Johnson and where you feel very comfortable with him and where you should be a little nervous about him, where you should still be a little nervous about him. You still want to be nervous because of the fact that we simply don't have the information yet. That's beyond 40 yards. But from college into the NFL, 95 plus percent, just like Will Lutz, under 40 yards. He hit twice from 23, once from 35. He did miss an extra point, however. But all told, a really, really solid day for the undrafted free agent kicker coming in, making just his second start. So good on you, Brian Johnson. And good on us for making it through another episode of Locked on Saints here with you every single Monday through Friday, free and available on all platforms. We appreciate you very much for making us your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, go and check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. NFL analyst Brian Peacock, former NFL scout Matt Williamson, give you everything you need to know around the NFL in less than 30 minutes. I appreciate y'all for being here. Coming up throughout the rest of the week and coming up tomorrow, we've got our Film Watch Wednesday episode. We talked about the numbers today. Now let's translate it to film tomorrow. We'll also talk a little bit about some concepts, uh, what the Saints did on the defensive line, what they did on the offensive line, what we saw some of these wide receivers do, and what the big difference was for the passing game as all of a sudden the wide receivers were getting open. Let's talk about how all of that happened as we continue on with another episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you so much, everybody, as always, for coming through for everything in between. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Raw Shackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.